0: Thank you so much for serving at Touch Twice yesterday. That was so encouraging to see that video clip. And the whole time I wasn't there. Um, I was off on the other side of town helping one of our families get married. So we had a few people on the west side um, at the Hoffman Wendler wedding, and they're celebrating today. Okay, here we go. We are in Genesis. Excuse me, Exodus chapter two. We're going to look at chapter 2 this morning. If you remember, the book of Genesis closes with Joseph as the superhero. God used him in Egypt to become the second most powerful leader in, uh, next to the Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Remind you of the story a little bit. The book of Genesis. Because of the drought and famine in the land of Canaan, Joseph brought his entire family into Egypt where there was plenty, Joseph's father, who's Joseph's father, Jacob, who's also called Israel, uh, and Jacob, uh, Joseph's 11 brothers and their families all moved to Egypt. So there's about 70 of them at the end of the book of Genesis. They have moved to Egypt, and that starts the book of Exodus. Egypt was not the promised land, the land that, promised, that God promised to Joseph's grandfather. Who? Abraham. Thank you. Uh, nobody got it, but I, somebody would. So time passed. New pharaohs came and, and gone. Then something happened that would change the course of history a new pharaoh arose in egypt who didn't know about joseph he didn't care about joseph he didn't care about any of joseph's family and the joseph's family were the hebrews they weren't called jewish people then they were called hebrews the hebrews had been working on one of god's promises carrying out god's command to be fruitful and multiply you remember that from last week They were so successful that they became a threat to Pharaoh. So while the Hebrews were up at night being fruitful and multiplying, Pharaoh was up at night devising a plan on how to make them less fruitful and reduce their multiplication. Pharaoh's plan was simple. First, he put the Hebrews to hard labor, and he oppressed them, thinking they can only sleep at night. But that wasn't the case. Second, because they continue to be fruitful, and multiplied. Second, he told the midwives, whenever there's a male baby born, throw him in. No, kill him is what he said. And then thirdly, this is how we ended chapter 1 of Exodus last week. He announced to everyone in Egypt, if you see a male baby, throw him into the Nile. So uh, we come to... Uh, Exodus chapter 1 verse 22 this is how it ends then Pharaoh gave this order to all his people every boy, that is, every boy that is born you must throw into the Nile but every girl let live so we come now to the birth of Moses chapter 2 we begin with verses 1 through 10 the birth of Moses we see the, his birth in verses 1 and 2 Here we go. Now a man of the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman. So the tribe of Levi that means the family of Levi. Levi is one of the sons of Jacob. Jacob is also Israel. He's the son of Israel. And Levi will become a very important tribe in the future and out of them will come the priesthood, the Levitical priesthood. That's all future. So moses is a levite verse 2 this woman by the way we're going to learn their we learned their names in exodus chapter 6 the names of moses's parents are amron and jochebed verse 2 she jochebed became pregnant and gave birth to a son they continued to experience god's blessing in being fruitful and multiplying Now, this is going to create tension in the story because that's what, you know, all of chapter 1 is about. Having kids is a problem. Having baby boys is a problem. We begin chapter 2 with the baby boy. That's a problem. And it's got to be solved. So, she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. And when she saw that he was a fine child, and what child is not a fine child? I mean... That's what she saw. But there's something unique about this, son, and, and that's what we pick up in, in the way the Scripture uh, records this. And we, we're not going to know probably until we get to heaven what, 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 what was meant here. The word is good. It's the same word that after God created in chapter 1, he said it was good. And that's the word. It's, the Hebrew word is tov, and it's good. And in other places, it's translated beautiful. But this is just somehow a unique child. And, and, you know, maybe Moses is going to get to Egypt and he's exceptionally handsome. I don't know. But something grabbed this mother about her child and she hid him for three months. And what a tension there for three months, having a little baby in your home. And the government wants you to throw the baby into the Nile And your baby cries a lot. And you try to keep the noise down as much as possible. And this it goes on and it goes on and it reaches a point. And we come uh, to verses 3 and 4. It says that they kept the child three months. We don't know why three months. I I think it must have just a problem just kept pushing and pushing. And the noise got louder and the stress got more and more. And I imagine Jochebed was laying in bed one night next to Amron, and she says, I got an idea. It's time to throw baby Moses into the river. And she, she, she has thought through a plan. And, you know, maybe God has been prompting her. She's, you know, a mother is going to lay awake at night thinking how she can solve this problem. And she has a plan. Verse Verse 3, but when she could hide him no longer, you know, we get the, out, the idea that they just held out as long as they possibly could. And you know that Moses' dad was in on this. I mean, there's the baby in the house. So she, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. Um, you know, God's probably prompted this uh, this, uh mother about what she should do and, and so she's going to make a papyrus basket well what's that? well it's a little box like structure it's probably made of uh, reeds that are all dried out it's a very light box and then she, she put tar and pitch on it she made a little ark a baby ark and it's a very same word that's used of Noah's ark and Look what she's going to do. She got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. And then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. She did it. She obeyed Pharaoh. She put Moses in the Nile. But she had a plan. It's risky. Think about this. You put your baby in a basket in the Nile River and there are crocodiles what if it sinks what if somebody discovers that they just they they just push it down into the water until the baby drowns this is risky but what choice do they have because eventually if they keep moses at home he's going to be found and they're going to kill him anyway verse 4 his sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him she's probably prompted by mom mom's got a plan I want you to follow the basket. I want you to see what happens. So a desperate mother takes desperate measures. This is not a picture of great power uh, and glory. This is a picture of weakness and human frailty. This little box floating in the water. Verses 5 and 6, we see the rescue. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe her, uh, and her attendants were walking along the riverbank. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her female slave to get it. You know, maybe Jochebed, Moses' mother, knew where Pharaoh's daughter bathed. She had a plan. And she positions this so it's not a big deal for Pharaoh's daughter to find the baby ark. You know, and you just wonder, what well, it's. we're going to find out later the baby was crying and uh, so does God just prompt Moses to cry right at this time? Verse 6, she, she opened it, Pharaoh's daughter opened it and saw the baby. He was crying and she felt sorry for him and she said, this is one of the Hebrew babies. You know, this is Pharaoh's daughter. Dad said kill all the baby boys. And she doesn't like dad's idea. She disagrees with dad. It's clearly a Hebrew boy. She felt sorry for the baby, and uh, she's going to rescue the baby. Verses 7 through 10, we see his preservation. Then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? We don't know how old uh, Moses' sister is, probably not she's probably you know grade school age i don't know we know later her name is miriam we're going to find that later in the book of exodus and uh, so miriam just pipes up the right right at this time the baby's discovered the baby's safe hey i can help out would you like somebody to nurse this child Yes, as a matter of fact, go, she answered. So the girl went and got the baby's mother. So now Jochebed is involved back with her own baby. The baby got placed into the Nile. That was fulfilled Pharaoh's concern about throwing the babies, putting the babies in the Nile River. And just that short little trip, he's taken out of the river And now, mom's back in the picture. I don't think a man would have ever dreamed up this story, by the way. He would have never come up with ideas like this. Verse 9, Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this baby and nurse him for me, and I I will pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. So Pharaoh's daughter actually hires Jochebed to nurse her own baby. We don't know the details here. There's a lot of questions. So what's going on here, and how this all happened? But apparently, um, Pharaoh's daughter had enough authority to work within Moses' home to keep this baby alive. So it was like, okay, under the authority of Pharaoh's daughter, you don't mess with this home. And she, you know, Moses' mom has a job, and we don't know what it is, but she's doing something for Pharaoh's daughter. So we just leave this place alone. Verse 10, when the child grew older, so this baby is going to be nursed by mom, and, and there's going to be this safety and protection of their very own home, and mom and dad are going to be there to love and to help and encourage this kid. And, you know, they didn't, they didn't wean kids very quickly back those days. There was no hurry, and so he got a really healthy start as a, as a young baby nurtured by his parents. Verse 10, when the child grew older, she, mom, took him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son, and she named him Moses. So it's going to be Pharaoh's daughter who names Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water, and there's a there's a root in that name, Moses, about drawing out. And so Moses is drawn out of the water. That very thing that was supposed to kill him is what saved him. So maybe Moses stayed in his own home under the protective care of Pharaoh's daughter, and now he's going to move to pharaoh's house and live in pharaoh's house and be raised and trained by pharaoh himself so let's stop and reflect a minute pharaoh tries to destroy one of abraham's descendants you know god promised that god would bless abraham and his descendants and pharaoh's trying to destroy these descendants and then a bunch of women get involved remember it was the hebrew midwives who stepped in Shipra and Puah and they're not going to have anything to do with this and so the male babies continued to live and it was Moses' mother who devised the plan that's going to protect this little baby boy named that will become Moses she dreams up this plan and it would be Miriam Moses' sister who's going to follow the ark and be that go between that emissary between mom and pharaoh's daughter it's pharaoh's daughter and her servants who take the to rescue the baby and take him out of the nile river and bring him ashore and then uh, pharaoh's daughter uh, brings in jochebed where are the big strong men god is using all of these women to carry out his plan luke records these events through the speech of Stephen in Acts chapter 7. And uh, if you read in the New Testament, you can see how Stephen records this. And this is valuable to us because uh, this is the inspired word of God. And it tells you a little bit more information than the book of Exodus does through God's inspired speakers and writers. Verse 17, As the time drew near for God to fulfill his promise to Abraham... This is all about God being faithful and and his fulfilling promises that he made. He said he's going to bless Abraham. He's going to give him land. He's going to make his name great. He's going to be a blessing. As the time drew near for God to fulfill his promise to Abraham, the number of of our people the hebrew people in egypt had greatly increased they'd been fruitful and multiplying then a new king to whom joseph meant nothing came to power in egypt and he dealt treacherously with our people and oppressed our ancestors by forcing them to throw out their newborn babies so they would die next slide at that time moses was born and he was no ordinary child we don't know what that means you know what child is ordinary When he was placed outside, Pharaoh's daughter took him and brought him up as her own son. Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was powerful in speech and action. Moses will move into Pharaoh's house and get the finest training in the world for a world leader. He will be highly trained in mathematics. He will be highly trained in architecture. He will be highly trained uh, in warfare. He will be um, highly trained in languages and engineering. Some of the best education of its day. And Moses is now 40 years old. How do we know? We've got to follow the text. Let's come back to Genesis chapter 2, verses 11 through 25. It's the last section of chapter 2, the preparation of Moses. In verses 11 through 14, we see his first experience in helping people. It's at least the first one we have recorded. His predicament is verse 11. One day, after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were and watched them at their hard labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. Now, we don't know this tension that between Moses being a Hebrew and living as an Egyptian in Pharaoh's house. How did that play out? We don't know. Probably not like in the movies. Did it, It's possible that Moses somehow knew he was a Hebrew all the way along. Maybe. We don't know. Was this a big secret to, to Pharaoh? I don't know. You know, the movies always make it like Pharaoh didn't know until... The very end, you know, until Moses is at least 40 or so, and this is when Pharaoh founds out. We just don't know. Moses, at this point in his life, knows that these are his people. And and he is beginning to identify with them. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. That's not right. That's not fair. That's not how we do things. It's unjust. This is going to stir something in Moses' heart, and he'll never get over it. Something burned in him because of the mistreatment of his people. Moses got angry. I would guess it would be righteous anger over injustice. But Moses is going to let his anger go out of control And he's going to jump way ahead of God's plan for helping his people. Verse 12, we see his righteous anger, which was really not so righteous by by verse 12. Um, Moses doesn't have... His anger becomes vengeful. We see that in verse 12. Looking this way and seeing no one, Moses knew what he was doing was wrong. He's watching to see if anybody... Is, it, can see him he killed the egyptian and hid him in the sand you know why would he hide him if he wasn't embarrassed and knew it was wrong um, he thought he was getting away with something it was a, he then he tried to cover up bury it in the sand verse 13 and 14 we see his embarrassment the next day he went out and saw two hebrews fighting he asked the one see he's he's got his eyes on the hebrew people He's, he's, he's focused on them right now. He, he asks one, uh, he sees the Hebrews fighting, he asks the one in the wrong. He, see, this is a justice issue. Why are you hitting your fellow, fellow Hebrew? Um, so uh, Moses steps in here, and he thinks he's trying to help. Verse 14, the man said, Who made you ruler and judge over us? You know, this guy really is talking back and he's he's being sarcastic uh, to Moses. Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, what I did must have become known. Um, Moses is aware that other people know. How did this get out? He thought he was safe. He thought he he executed this Egyptian and just covered it up in the sand. And now uh, this is getting around. People are talking about this. And... This is not good. This is going to get back to to the Egyptians. This is going to get back to the Pharaoh. Stephen uh, continues uh, to tell us about this in Acts chapter 7, verses 23 through 28. Uh, When Moses was 40 years old, he decided to visit his own people, the Israelites. He saw one of them being mistreated by an Egyptian, so he went to his defense and avenged him by killing the Egyptians. So we just saw this in Exodus. Moses thought that his own people would realize. So this is something we don't see in Exodus right here. Moses thought that his own people would realize that God was using him to rescue them, but they did not. So Moses has some kind of an idea that he's going to do something to help these people and that it's, it's right. We don't know how much he knows about God at this point. I'm guessing he doesn't know a lot about the true and living God. Sure, he probably knows something, probably picked up some of that from his own family, maybe even studying about um, the Hebrews and learning about their God when he could. Next Next slide. the next day Moses uh, came up to two Israelites who were fighting he tried to reconcile them by saying man you are brothers why do you want to hurt each other but the man who was mistreating the other pushed Moses aside and said who made you ruler and judge over us next slide are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday when Moses heard this he fled to Midian where he settled as a foreigner and he had two sons and He's just going to continue the God's blessing of being fruitful and multiplying. And we're going to see that in the very next uh, step. So um, Moses is 40 years old. He's facing a serious predicament. He is not ready to lead God's people. He's had some good training in Egypt. He's a good thinker. He's burdened by the injustice that he sees in his own people, but he is not ready. He's rash. He makes uh, quick decisions. um, He's not ready to follow God yet, and he needs further development, which brings us to verses 15 through 22, his need for further life experience, and we see he escapes out of Egypt and so this is kind of a mini exodus look at verse 15 when Pharaoh heard of this he tried to kill Moses but Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in Midian where he sat down by the well and now things happen really fast where the movement um, we don't know how long it took to get this information back to Pharaoh that Moses had killed an Egyptian and hid his body in the sand it could have been a few days it could have been a few weeks it could have been months before it gets back to Pharaoh So Moses uh, realizes this situation, and he just, he runs. He runs as fast as he can to get out of town, and uh, he goes to Midian, which is a land quite a bit east of Egypt, and it's southeast of the land of Canaan, which will become the land of Israel. It's in the desert area. And uh, he sat down by a well. And then he helps uh, the Midianites, verses 16 through 17. Because Moses has a heart for justice issues. Remember that. Look at 16. Now, a priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came to draw water and fill the troughs to water their father's flock. So now Moses is going to get rescued by seven women, but he's going to try to rescue them. The priest of Midian uh, would have been a descendant of Abraham. Midian was... The, was um, a son of Abraham through Keturah, Abraham's second wife. And they didn't settle, uh, they didn't follow God's people. They went to um, the Midian, which is out in the desert east of Egypt. And it says, verse 17: some shepherds came along and drove them away, but Moses got up and came to their rescue and watered their flock so while at the well these seven daughters come and they're taking care of sheep and while that happens here comes the shepherds from another crew and they're going to bully their way up through the well and they're going to make the women get back so they can be first and get their own way and get their sheep watered and kind of control the situation but Moses doesn't think that's fair he's just a bystander he doesn't have to do anything but he gets involved he probably could have been killed right here but he somehow runs the shepherds off and then uh, allows the seven daughters of um, the priest of Midian to be able to water their flock. But he just doesn't run off the shepherds. He starts putting the bucket down into the well, and one, of the, one at a time, he brings that water out and starts filling those water troughs, and he waters all of the sheep for the seven daughters. Now, that's kind of a new wrinkle for Moses. He's never done this before. He's learning to serve people. He cares about justice issues, but now he's involved for serving people. And um, there's going to be a benefit for Moses, verses 18 through 20. He's invited to dinner. When the girls return to Ruel, their father, and he's later going to be, we're going to know him as Jethro by Exodus 18, Ruel here, their father and he asked him why have you returned so early well it's because somebody else got our water for us we didn't have to do it not only that we didn't have to wait for the other guys we we just got right in there we got our water and here we are we're back and uh, where is he Ruel asked his daughters why did you leave him invite him to have something to eat so Ruel is impressed by Moses' chivalry he invites him to sup supper and he's thinking I need a son-in-law I got seven daughters none of them are married and here's a guy so Moses come to supper and stay the night and Moses did and one of those girls was pretty attractive that was good he finds a wife verses 21 through 22 Moses agreed to stay with man who gave his daughter Zipporah to Moses in marriage so he stays overnight gets a wife and This fruitful and multiplying thing continues. Verse 22, Zipporah gave birth to a son, and Moses named him Gershom, saying, I have become a foreigner in a foreign land. So now Moses says he's become a foreigner. This goes with the name Gershom. He recognizes, I'm a foreigner. I'm in a foreign land. That's kind of a significant insight for Moses. Um, He is not in the promised land. There's something missing. There's some place to go, and he's not there yet. He's a, he's a stranger and an alien, which is the same thing we get in the New Testament because we don't belong to this world. There's another, another place for us, and we aren't there yet. Sometimes we, we want life to be like everything is going to be great and perfect, and we're in paradise now, but it's not going to happen yet. We're not there yet. We have this life. In this life, we have trouble, Jesus said. Verses 23 and 24, God remembers his promise. The situation, verse 23, during that long period, the king of Egypt died. Well, we know it's going to be at least another 40 years. Can you wait another 40 years? But there's something in us. We want stuff done now. We want God to do what we want. We want Him to do it now. That would make my life good and your life good. So... The king of Egypt, the pharaoh, died. It's going to change circumstances. The Israelites groaned in their slavery. It didn't get easy. They groaned in their slavery, slavery, and they cried out, and their cry for help because of their slavery went up to God. Day after day, month after month, life was hard. The oppression of God's people continued. And God's people cried out for help, and they asked God to deliver them from slavery. I don't know what their lives were like as far as God. I don't know if they, if they were brought to a place where they wanted help. Life was so good before all this happened. We don't know. God hears, verse 24, God heard their groaning, and he remembered. I don't think he forgot. But what Scripture is telling is this is now coming to the forefront. This is now on the front burner. And this is now a priority of God. God heard their groaning, and he remembered his covenant. He made a promise. He made an agreement with Abraham. It was an unconditional covenant, by the way. It did not depend on Abraham. It wasn't based on Abraham's performance. It was based on the promises of God. And I want you to know that the Abrahamic covenant has never been rescinded, never. I personally expect everything in Abraham's covenant will come true. It's one of the reasons why the land of Israel is so important. It's always at the center of attention, and it will be until Jesus comes back. So God remembered his covenant with who? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob the three big patriarchs of uh, the Jewish faith and of the Christian faith. These are just men, and God used them. They weren't, like, super spiritual. They learned some things along the way, but they made a lot of dumb mistakes on the, on the way, and they're all recorded for us in Scripture so that w- we can be encouraged. They're just ordinary people. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You need to know their stories. They're in the book of genesis god made promises to them it was about land it was about descendants it was about being a blessing and blessing the world and jesus is abraham's descendant verse 25 god is concerned so god looked on the israelites and he was concerned about them and that's how we're going to end the chapter he's concerned and we want to say god do something Do something. Well, what's been going on here? Well, there was a baby born that became three months old and got put into the Nile and then went into Pharaoh's home. And then he became 40 and then he got into trouble and then he went into the desert into Midian and then he got married. Then now he's going to be 80. And his name is Moses. And he is the great deliverer. And he's a type of Christ. We're going to see that later. I'll talk more about what that means. But he is going to become the Savior of God's people in the book of Exodus. And God has a plan. It's already at work. But it wasn't fast enough for some people. I wonder if God has a plan for your life. I know he has a plan for your life. And he's already working out the details right now. Is that fast enough for you? I'm going to jump right to our lessons. So I'm skipping the Hebrews and jumping right to some lessons. Here are some lessons from Exodus chapter 2. Number one, God thwarts the plans of world rulers to accomplish his own purposes. God thwarts the plans of world rulers to accomplish his own purpose. That was clearly seen with Pharaoh killing the baby boys. Moses was uh, born and grown. He grew up right in front of Pharaoh's nose in Pharaoh's house. In in fact, Pharaoh likely helped train him. God thwarts the plans of world rulers. Secondly, suffering may be required to accomplish God's will. Suffering may be required to accomplish God's will. We see this in chapter 1. The Israelites weren't doing anything bad. They just kept being fruitful and multiplying, and that brought fear to the Pharaoh. He, he didn't want to be outnumbered. He, he feared that they might align with some foreign power and overthrow the Egyptians, and he worried about it. And so he wants to quell the whole thing. He wants to control the situation, and he begins to oppress them, give them hard labor, and that's not working. So then he wants to take out the baby boys, and that's not working. And so he makes it harder, and he wants every baby boy killed. Suffering may be required. Moses experienced hardship. He's going to be kicked out of Egypt, and he's going to, be, he's going to live out in the desert. desert. You know what? Life isn't going to be easy in the desert. He doesn't know how to survive in the desert, but he's going to have 40 years to learn about it. And one of the things God is going to do is God is going to prepare him to lead in the desert. He's going to learn the geography. He's going to learn... Um, how to survive and how to lead people he's going to learn about family how to take care of a family and how important family is um, for a leader of god the apostle paul uh, experienced suffering in romans 5 he says this therefore since we have been justified through faith we have peace with god through our lord jesus christ through whom we have gained access by faith into his grace which we now stand and so one of the things that Paul is saying, we have this access to God right now. It's by his grace, and um, we stand in this grace, and so we have a relationship with God, and he's going to be there for us. And we boast in this hope of glory of, of God, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. The Apostle Paul experienced a great number of sufferings. You can read about them in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. He suffered And he saw some benefits. He says, because we know that suffering produces perseverance. And he saw perseverance as a good thing. Next slide. Perseverance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, but God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. There's something happening in in Paul's heart. He's gone through trouble, and he's seen character develop in him. And he's seen God's love flow through him. He's experienced that love even when he suffered. Number three, having doubts when life is hard is realistic, but having faith when life is difficult pleases God. Having doubts when life is hard is realistic, but having faith when life is difficult uh, but having faith when life is difficult pleases God you know people have doubted God all through the centuries we doubt God at different times for different situations that's, that's realistic, it's, it's pretty human we, we can read the stories in scripture of people who doubted God I can't imagine what it would be like to be told by my government that I had to put my own child to death or I had to give my own baby up to be executed. I can't imagine what that would be like. I do know whatever circumstances I face, God wants me to trust Him. Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith, it's impossible to please God. I need to trust God doesn't depend on my circumstances if things are going well I feel like trusting God things aren't going well oh I don't know if I can trust God he doesn't doesn't do what I like because uh, because anyone who comes to him comes to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him having faith when life is difficult pleases God Number four, peace and contentment are based on the inner circumstances of our lives, not on the outer circumstances. Peace and contentment are based on the inner circumstances, not on what's going on all around me. You know, outer circumstances may be out of my control. I might be dying of cancer. I can't control that. I might lose my job. Uh, My marriage might fall apart. I might be in a tragic accident. There are a lot of things that happen that I am not in control of. I do have an impact on my marriage, but... uh, Christianity, our Christian faith, is for every part of life. Every part of life. Our relationship with Christ makes a huge difference no matter what we're facing. Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 uh, through 13. The Apostle Paul writes, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content. Here's what th- this is huge for my own life learning to be content. He says, I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. Contentment is in here. Things are great, things are terrible. Things are wonderful, things stink. How are you doing in here? I've learned to be content. I know what is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret. It's a really important aspect of our spiritual lives, learning to be content. doesn't mean we can't want more of something. It doesn't mean we can't want more justice because Moses is going to give his life to the passion of justice. And... The Apostle Paul is going to give his life for the gospel. He's passionate about the gospel. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. That's what I can tell you for sure. I can't tell you how to take away difficult circumstances. I can tell you you can do whatever Christ wants you to with his strength that you can face anything with his strength. It's not based on whether things are going well on the outside. Strength is in here, and it comes from him. Number five, last one, God uses difficult situations in our lives to help us grow spiritually. God uses difficult situations in our lives to help us grow spiritually. This is not new to you, uh, and I just want to remind you, and I'm just going to use Romans 8.28 as our last verse. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. All things are not good. Everything in life is not good. Everything that happens to you is not good. God has the ability to take anything that happens to you and work good out of it for you. And we see that uh, happening in the story of Moses. We are tempted to think within us I don't like the circumstances I'm in I don't like the hand that I'm dealt I don't like the way God is handling this situation and uh, I've decided it's not worth it anymore I'm giving up and I'm walking away and uh, when we get tempted to do that all I can say is lots of luck on your own you you may get tired of trusting God, but go ahead and do it without Him. I don't think you're going to solve it. And um, I guess I just would close by saying, here's the deal: God has a plan for your life, and He's working it out day by day. The best advice in the world I can give you is trust Him, trust Him, trust Him. It's just follow him one step at a time. Let's stand and pray. Father, I thank you uh, for the book of Exodus. And we see and we look back and we see how you've worked in history. And we have seen how you uh, have patience with people. We see how you work out the very details of life that you are sovereign, that you are overall, that you are worthy of our love and our trust. And God, I pray as we work through the book of Exodus that we will learn more about you, more about your character, and to see that you are more and more worthy of our trust. For Jesus' sake, amen.